Hello, Bitcoiners. My name is Ansel Lindner, and this is Bitcoin and Markets. On this show, we honestly explore Bitcoin to the best of our ability. We take a look at stats, metrics, the tech, and the economics behind it all. My goal is to stay ahead of the curve and to take you along with me. Thanks for joining me. Let's go. Bitcoiners, my people, welcome back to the show. Sincerely hope you are doing well on this Friday. Looking forward to the weekend. Coming here to get your weekly dose of Bitcoin fundamentals, market analysis before you take a couple days off, hopefully, with your family, friends, get outside, live a healthy lifestyle. On today's show, we talk about the price. I have a little bit of a contrarian view here. And then we talk about mining and development. And we end up with talking about the Fed, the US dollar, and the trade wars and all of that stuff with China. So we have a great show lined up, lots of information, jam-packed. Stick with me. Some admin notes up front. Sign up for the Fundamentals Report that comes out every Friday. It's free. You never get any spam. It's filled with market analysis, commentary, charts, uh, everything broken down. And we've got a lot of great feedback. So that helps support the show by building our list a little bit. And hopefully we can get that going uh, a little bit bigger. If you want to support the show, I'm a huge, huge fan of the value for value. I'm trying to build the show into a self-sustaining project, so if I give you value, I would love to get value in return. You can do that several ways. Just click on some affiliate links in the show notes if you're going to check out eToro or you're building a website with WordPress and you want to use the best theme that I have found for WordPress is GeneratePress. Just click on our affiliate link there in the show notes. To find those, you just go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash E and then the episode number. So this is E. 181 for this episode. We have a couple other affiliate links on there that always helps the show. You can also make a one-time donation or join the Patreon and become a full member. We are doing the weekly live streams now. People seem to really have a fun time with that. So um, yeah, lots of ways to support the show. I appreciate everybody that supports us. Enough shilling your stuff, dude. Let's get on with the content. All right, guys, let's get into the eToro price talk. eToro is the world's leading social trading platform. You can interact with other traders, follow successful traders, get followed yourself. You can even start with a free demo account. Use my link in the show notes. On Bitstamp, I'm showing $10,408. We have a pretty decent green candle here. We bounced. It is technically a higher low, but there's a few things out there that really give me pause. Okay, first thing is it's horrible volume. There's absolutely no volume out there at all, especially if you look at BitMEX and you look at some of these bigger exchanges, the volume is just really, really low. And that's not a good sign to me. That's not even a sign of accumulation. That's just a sign of nobody wants to buy Bitcoin at 10,000. <laughs> so horrible volume to me is not a sign of uh, we're about ready to take off. Also, we have this global risk-off climate. There's major things happening in global finance and in geopolitics in general. Like today, we had a big sell-off in the stock market. There is a risk-off climate, in my opinion, growing in the overall broader market. So Bitcoin is not going to benefit from that. Even though 
the whole idea is that Bitcoin could become a safe haven asset. I mean, it is cash and gold is cash and, you know, dollar is cash. So these safe haven assets should benefit during risk off times. And gold has seen a bid here. But again, Bitcoin is just not there yet, in my opinion. Not this time. Maybe next time uh, Bitcoin will be there as the safe haven play. I mean, it will get some, of course. It's getting mine. It's probably getting yours, if you're listening to this, is getting your safe haven cash. Uh, but for the very vast majority of investable wealth in the world, they are not going to be fleeing to Bitcoin as a safe haven. Not yet. They will someday. And I am, of course, everyone always says that I'm overly bearish all the time. I am the biggest Bitcoin bull that you'll ever meet. I think it's going to fix everything. I, <laughs> I think Bitcoin is going to heal the world, but not yet. Okay, we got to wait. Things happen a little bit slower than we all think. So, okay, we talked about the horrible volume, the global risk-off climate. Also, altcoin bubble weakness. Um, Bitcoin dominance index is going up, but, uh, I mean, there's still hope. There's still hope. This week, there was quite a few Ether dreams out there on Twitter. And, I mean, there's still hope. There's still a lot of blockchain content. I just listened to some other recent podcasts that are you know, in the altcoin space, and they haven't lost hope. I mean, a lot of them have turned into Bitcoiners, at least the hosts, but any little altcoin that goes up by 10 or 20%, they're shilling it. So that needs to get cut back even more. Remember, the altcoin bubble that we had in 2017, 2018 was gigantic. I mean, what was it? 500 billion, roughly, maybe even 600 billion. And right now, I think it was down to about a uh, hundred billion, but it needs to go a lot lower. I mean, a hundred billion, that means that there's a hundred billion dollars in a complete Ponzi scheme scam bubble. It needs to continue to crash. And since altcoins and Bitcoin are the correlated assets here, I think that an altcoin bubble continuing to deflate is going to pull Bitcoin down with it. My last thing here for kind of um, <laughs> overall uh, bearish things in the market is we are in the daily cloud. This is the daily cloud set on the expanded settings, but, you know, we're in the daily cloud. We could reach down and touch the bottom of the cloud, which is around 9,000. That would be a triple bottom. I don't know if there's enough support. Will we spit out of the bottom of the cloud? If we do, that is a very bearish scenario. The only time in all of 2017, 2016, 2017 bull market that we went below the cloud, the daily cloud, was the Bitfinex hack. And then we only spent like a week or two underneath the cloud on the daily. This time, if we go b below the cloud, I think it could be an extended period, but I'm, I'm, getting more and more bearish actually every day that goes on with low horrible volume like this i'm getting more and more bearish actually on the newsletter i go into this a little bit but the contrarian view here so there isn't really a contrarian view on shorter time frames when you look at the shorter time frames um, and the price has a little rally for a week and then it has a sell-off for a week the entire sentiment of the market changes 
And I've talked about this uh, in the past as well, where I was talking about 8,500 for a couple weeks, maybe three weeks, and then all of a sudden everyone was started talking about it and everyone got really bearish. We turned around. We had six or seven days of green candles and everyone was saying we're going to break out and go to all-time highs. Uh, Max Kaiser came out and said 15,000 by the end of the week. I mean, we had all of these, uh, the, the sentiment just completely swapped within a matter of days. And then we sold off again. And what happens now? There's a lot of people talking about 8,500 targets again. So the short-term sentiment is flip-flop and there is no contrarian position on that point. So if, if I want to be a contrarian, I got to zoom out. And so I'm going to go to the midterm time frame. And that to me is the overall trend. Are we in a bear market or a bull market? Of course, pretty much universally, everyone thinks we're in a bull market right now. Right? So if you're going to take the contrarian position to that, you'd have to say we're in a bear market or people are going to think that we're in a bear market. <laughs> Not very many people are going to like that, but um, I think people need to question the the bull market before we break our swing highs here at 14,000. I don't think we're going to break 14,000 until people question the bull market. And what does that mean? Well, probably getting down, I mean, 6,000 comes to mind, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's possible. If you would have asked me last week, I would have said 6,000 is a 1% chance. Now I'm thinking 6,000 is like, oh, it's getting up there. 20% chance that we go down to 6,000. So when, when you are talking about prices, you're talking about probabilities here. We could be going down, folks. I've been trying to check out what other people are saying out there. Um, seeing what the general sentiment is out on Twitter. And everybody is not questioning. They are not questioning that 9,000 will hold. I mean, I bet if I did a poll on Twitter or somebody with more followers and more interaction than I have on Twitter did a poll and they asked, you know, will 9,000 hold, yes or no, I bet it would be 95 to 5. Or maybe maybe 9,000, maybe 8,500. So if you put will 8,500 hold, it would be probably 99 to 1, something in that ballpark. People, Just imagine getting to 7,000, going not vertical, but just grinding lower, maybe having a big, bad red day from 8,000 down to 7,000. Are people going to be like, oh, yeah, just buy the dip right here? No. People are going to say, was was that it? There's going to be new. There's going to be news all over the Internet. Everywhere, every mainstream media out there is going to say this bubble shows that it's a lower high. So we had the 20,000 bubble. Now we had the 14,000 high, and this is a lower high. It's not going higher again. The whole Bitcoin experience is over. Can you see those headlines right now? People are going to be despondent. People are going to panic. So as much as I think this is going up long term, of course, we're going to a million, $10 million of Bitcoin. But, you know, right now, I, I think that the contrarian view is that we have to scare people that the bull market is already over or it never started. Anyway, that's that's where I'm coming from on the price. 
All right, let's jump into mining real fast. So on the show, you know, I talk about different things, fundamentals as well. And I just wanted to speak a little bit about mining. We had a increase a couple days ago of the difficulty up almost 2%, 1.98%. This to me is if, <laughs> my sweet spot. If you guys have been uh, listening to the show for a long time, I used to say this quite often that, um, you know, any change between 1% and 3% was in my sweet spot because I think that's pretty much just general efficiency gains. So you have a certain portion of the market that's always swapping out their old miners for new miners. Uh, plus, uh, in these big data centers, maybe they tweak a setting. Maybe they uh, get their cooling figured out a little bit better. Maybe they overclock their stuff um, a little bit more efficiently. And so you have this every two weeks or so, you'll get a 1% increase, maybe a 1% to 3%. And so that is the sweet spot. That is not... Uh, to me, that signifies flat price. It signify, signifies just completely flat market when you're at a 2% difficulty increase. Right now, the estimated um, next adjustment is only at 2% as well. So pretty much the, uh, the mining sector, uh, whatever extra information that they have from their contacts and their supply and demand uh, supply chains and all these things, uh, OTC markets that they deal with, it's not signaling huge demand coming. All right. These people are simply plugging away with what they got. Uh, maybe, of course, like I just went through, they're trying to squeeze out as much efficiency as they can right now. And um, that just goes into this whole low volume, low demand, or at least stagnant demand. Um, interesting. Let's talk a little development. Um, we have had some news recently about Taproot. Um, Taproot is a privacy improvement to Bitcoin. There's this uh, kind of bundle of upgrades that are being worked on quite heavily in Bitcoin. You have uh, Taproot, Graftroot, and Schnorr, as well as Mast. These are all cryptographic, like cutting-edge cryptographic upgrades to Bitcoin. Um, most of them are signature aggregation or uh, new address types. So um, for Taproot, for example, um, if you have a multi-sig, it looks like any other address where right now, you know, you can get some insight. You can do chain analysis and different things uh, to find out what kind of address that is. But um, Taproot is more private. Bitcoin development never stops. It keeps growing and growing and growing. Um, if you can, if you put together Lightning and Liquid and Bitcoin Core all together in their um, total development package, you have way more, not only higher quality, but way, way more actual development going on than Ethereum. And Ethereum is supposed to be developers, 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 right? There's just way more work happening on Bitcoin. All right, let's hit the news. I have some quick hitters up front here, uh, and then I'll have Chairman Powell at the end. First piece of news up today is the Crypto Fear and Greed Index. I have a link in this week's report for that. I've seen this floating around several places and several YouTube channels, um, and so I thought I would talk about it a little bit. Uh, very recently, like yesterday, they had the lowest reading 
on record for this. I think it goes back about a year and it comes out every day with a new number. The lower the number, the more fear and uh, the higher the number, the more greed in the market. So uh, it had its lowest rating down at only five. Uh, today it has bounced back to 30, but this is not a Bitcoin metric. So it is a Bitcoin and large cryptocurrencies. Um, and I think the fear is mainly coming from the altcoins. Um, Bitcoin's fear right now is there isn't much there. Uh, everybody thinks we're in a bull market that, uh, you know, it's just a matter of time before this goes up. And so, um, that the fear is really coming from the altcoins. Um, they are, you know, 95% off the highs. I think Ethereum is still just shy of 90% off of its all time highs. And, um, so there is a lot of fear going around in the altcoin space as it rightly should. I mean, they need to lose another 90% and they, it's starting to sink in. They're starting to realize it. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that to your guys' attention that these, this, uh, crypto fear and greed index is at really low levels, but I think it's due to the altcoins. Next news item up here is from the Central Bank of Japan. So um, from Nikkei.com, they have a long article about PBOC and other things with capital flight and stuff like that. But then they talk to a senior official, quote unquote, senior official from BOJ there in Japan, and he had some comments. The main thing here is that he said, we are in love with the technology behind Bitcoin and we are in touch with the technology community. Next sentence, we promote Bitcoin, but only with controls. So that is pretty good from a senior up official. I don't know exactly how senior. Is it like a board of governor type thing or um, a director or whatever? I don't know how all their their offices over there work with the BOJ. But hey, this is a senior official that's talking well about Bitcoin and I like it. <laughs> okay, let's go on to the next thing. Next thing is an article here. I grabbed it out of Forbes and it's from, it's quoting some statistics. It's talking about market dominance because, you know, Bitcoin has been increasing in the accepted dominance index. And I'll say to my new listeners, so the dominance index was created by, as far as I know, and I've been around since it was created, <laughs> the uh, idea of Bitcoin dominance was created by Eric Voorhees. And Eric Voorhees, you know, is the founder of Shapeshift. So he wanted to create this index against Bitcoin because he wanted people to be trading for these shit coins, right? Because he was the middleman there and he made money selling picks and shovels to the gold rush people. Anyway, so Bitcoin dominance is a flawed metric in the first place where uh, it takes all of the total scams as well as quote-unquote legitimate. I don't know if there's any legitimate altcoins, but let's just say there's a few. Then it's going to take those few legitimate coins plus all of the crap, right? And add it together against Bitcoin. Um, and it's not a not a good metric because I can just create a new altcoin, sell one or two, have very low liquidity, very low uh, volume, and 
oh, I have a billion dollar market cap and that gets added against Bitcoin. So it's not a good measure. They came up with this way to take volume into account. And of course, Bitcoin performs significantly higher, probably about 10% uh, in the index higher. So if the uh, coin market cap thing says 70%, if you take volume into account, even with just volume and coin market cap numbers, it's going to be about 80%. But now this arcane crypto on this Forbes article, they uh, actually took the volume weighted, but they took it from only the big exchanges. And when you do that, Bitcoin is up to 92% uh, on the dominance index. And I think that's about legit right there. Of course, I am of the mind that Bitcoin is going to follow this hyper Pareto curve. So instead of 80-20, it's going to be more like 95-5 or 98-2, where 98% is going to be in Bitcoin and 2% is going to be splattered to scams or other altcoins or small um, small like in-game currencies and, and a bunch of other things. So that's that's what I'm seeing. So there's 92%. That's really good. Now, how does that go into like my idea that the altcoin bubble hasn't popped? Um, I mean, this is telling you the real picture, but the market prices are telling you the 70%, right? Instead of the 90%. So I think we have to get to 90% before I could say that I'm very confident that altcoin bubble is completely uh, deflated, uh, at least for the time being. Of course, like I said, it's probably going much, much lower than that. All right, let's get into the U.S. dollar, Chairman Powell's comments, and some of the trade war news from around the world. So every year they have this Jackson Hole meeting, and this year Chairman Powell made a speech, or every year he makes a speech there. And I just want to talk about some of his comments. All of these are quotes. This is a New York Times article that was a couple hours old. Quote, while monetary policy is a powerful tool that works to support consumer spending, business investment, and public confidence, it cannot provide a settled rulebook for international trade, end quote. So this is, again, Chairman Powell, and he's passing the buck here. Of course, Trump wants to blame the Fed, and Powell here is passing the buck back to Trump and saying, look, this is international trade. You you have all these tariffs on everybody. You're causing all these trade wars. And our policies aren't really set up for this type of thing. Okay. You know, it's your fault. That's Powell is passing the buck back to Trump. Uh, and when I first saw this dynamic between Powell and Trump, I thought it was good cop, bad cop that they're on the same team. Um, but it's beginning to appear more like they're not on the same team and, or they probably, they're still on the same U.S. team because I think that the U.S. or U.S. elites, um, are represented here. But, uh, Powell is the banksters and Trump is himself, basically. Um, Trump wants the economy to continue growing as, you know, the stock market to be pumped up so he can get reelected. Uh, but, uh, Powell, uh, he wants to make sure that his bankster friends are still in power. And so, uh, they can't, he has to save some face and some legitimacy here, uh, despite Trump's constant berating and their total loss of control of the narrative at this point. Uh, those are the two sides that I see. Let's keep going here with Powell's comments. Quote, our challenge now is to do what monetary policy can do to sustain the expansion 
to achieve the Fed's goals of low unemployment and stable inflation. So the first comment here he had about international trade was a political comment. Then this next one in this New York Times piece is saying that we will do what we can to sustain the expansion. It sounds very uh, like they're giving up almost, right? If I were a banker in a political struggle with the president, uh, what would I do? You know, I would hold the the stock market and the economy by the balls and say, look, we're just going to contract some money supply right now. You have to start start supporting us or we are going to just crash the economy. That's exactly what happened back with Biddle and Jackson. This is when at whatever year, this is the 19th century back then, uh, at the second National Bank of the United States, when Biddle and uh, President Jackson went to war. And Biddle said then, I will crash the economy. I have. I am a heartless banker. I will crash the economy. I don't care. Uh, that's straight out of this banker's mouth. And I think the bankers still feel the same way. Of course, they'll never say that, um, but they will do anything to keep their seniorage and to keep their, that they control uh, winners and losers. That's what this does when you have uh, a central bank system. Yeah, they'll continue fighting as hard as they can to uh, against the president, in my opinion. But let's keep on going here. Quote, trade policy uncertainty seems to be playing a role in the global slowdown and in weak manufacturing and capital spending in the United States, adding that there are no recent precedents to guide any policy response to the current situation. So again, he's talking about a global slowdown and a global weak manufacturing and capital spending and all of this global trade policy. Um, he is passing the buck. Let me go on to the other situation here is China announced that uh, just today that they're going to retaliate once again um, against the United States by raising $75 billion worth of tariffs. And uh, that's going to be mainly on against agricultural products, crude oil, and cars. So not only do we have the Powell-Trump uh, dynamic, but now you have the China-Powell-Trump dynamic. And it gets very confusing. Um, I think China feels that there is a moment here to take sides with the bankers against the trade war, right? Um, and so they, they want to do that. Uh, if they uh, will help save the global economy uh, at the expense of Trump. I think they're they're all on board for that. So that is a wrap, everybody. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. If you'd like to support the show, sign up for the newsletter, bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash report. Free market analysis and commentary with charts in your inbox every Friday. It's a great deal. Also, if you'd like to monetarily support the show and help me build this brand into something sustainable, check out patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets. If you're already a member over there, thank you so much. If you're a $1 member, please consider moving up to the $5 level. That would really help out the show. Plus you get some added benefits over there on discord. All right, guys, have a great weekend. Spend some time with your loved ones. I'll see you next week. Peace.